following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. You can find the reading on page 310 in the Bibles, and it's 2 Samuel, chapter 7, and verses 1 to 17. Samuel, 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17. God's promise to David. <clears throat> After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people shall not oppress them any more as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. As David said, my name's Ruth Stokes, and my husband Chris and I have been part of St. Nick's for about 12 years. And it's great to be here. Shall we pray? 
Father, as we read this passage, will you speak to us about your love and your purposes that we may be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if anyone has ever seen the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon strip. Oh, good, someone else. So um, one of my friends is a real fan, and she gave me this huge book years ago. And the other day, I thought, oh, I'll have a look. So I started flicking through it, and I found a picture, and I thought, brilliant, this will be perfect. So have a look at this picture. And in the, just what's just happened is that the family has been burgled, and the mum and dad are sitting in bed completely shocked. I don't know, can you read it Okay. So, the dad realises that a lot of being grown up is ad-libbing. He thinks there's going to be a plan and actually finds out you've basically got to make it up as you go along. And I wonder if you've ever felt like that. You reached adulthood. I know I did. And I thought, goodness, who tells you what to do now? Or maybe as a parent, you're wondering, where is the rule book? Um, Maybe you're someone who would have preferred to have been given a plan at every stage. But you might be someone who loves it, who loves ad-libbing. And I think David was one of these people. He didn't have any trouble with ad-libbing. He was a man of action, enthusiasm. When he was still pretty young, he killed Goliath. And then he spent much of his life charging into battle. In the chapter before the one we've read, he manages to bring the ark to Jerusalem, admittedly after a little blip where he doesn't realise there's a special way to do it. And then he decides when he brings the ark in successfully, he's going to strip off and dance, much to his wife's shock and horror. But the notable thing about David and his ad-libbing is that generally he has a history of consulting God and being obedient. Various people are involved as he consults God. And in this instant, he speaks to Nathan the prophet, who's specifically anointed by God to speak what God says to David and to the rest of the people. And what we get in chapter 7 is a beautiful exchange, a conversation between God and David, which a number of commentators say is the peak of 1 and 2 Samuel and even of the whole Old Testament. Today, we're just going to look at God's response to David's plan, but you might want to look at David's response to God later in the week if you get a chance. Let's try and unpack it. So, David's plan. Our reading today begins with things going well for David. He's settled in his palace. The Lord has given him rest from his enemies around him. And one day he has an idea. He is living in a beautiful cedar palace while the ark of God remains in a tent. Why doesn't he build a permanent dwelling for the ark of God? By way of contrast, 
in case you didn't know, cedarwood is resistant to insects and is really expensive and long-lasting. And I know this because a builder recently tried to persuade us to build a garage out of a similar type of wood. We didn't agree, I may say. Um, And tents, of course, can be demolished at any time. And the nomads who lived in them were lower in the economic structure at the time. So David's motives seem good. God has honoured him, and he wants to honour God. In keeping with his practice of consulting God, he goes to speak to Nathan, a godly advisor, a prophet. Now, initially, Nathan doesn't have a specific word from God for David, but it wasn't unusual to consult godly people to gather wisdom and perhaps something we might do today. As Solomon noted later in Proverbs 15, verse 22, for lack of advisors, a plan fails. One commentator I read did suggest that perhaps David wanted to build a temple as a sign of his greatness, as some of the nearby kings did. But even if that was his subconscious reason, the fact that he went to talk to God's prophet suggests that he is continuing in this practice of consulting God and submitting to him. Now, Nathan initially supports David's plan. And on the basis of God's favor and God's protection over David's life and his time as a soldier king, he tells him, go for it. God is with you. And in this, he's not wrong because, of course, God is with David and will continue to be with him. But that night, the Lord speaks to Nathan and tells him David is not to build the temple. Here's the thing. The plan of building the temple is a good one, and it will happen. But it's the wrong time and the wrong person. God has not asked David to build him a temple. And God has a better plan. And to be honest, as I read this, it reminded me of us. Well, certainly myself. Don't we sometimes have these great ideas to do something grand for God? Let's redo the church. Let's join every serving team. Let's redo our house so we can be more hospitable, which has been our own dilemma. Or skip back a few hundred years. Let's go to war. And these may be good ideas, except obviously the last one. But have we bothered to consult God, whether that's with friends or on our own? Or have we just had a chat with people who also thought it was a good idea? So if it was not part of God's plan to build a temple, what was God's plan? Well, I absolutely love the next 12 verses because in this we get a unique insight into God's personality and his character and his plans and his purposes which will be put into effect over hundreds of years. And no wonder 
David is completely awed and humbled when Nathan reports this revelation to him. So the first question we might want to ask is, why did David not want God to build him a temple? Well, there are a number of reasons contained in this passage, and there's a couple elsewhere which we're not going to look at today. But the first reason for David not building the temple is he is not the person God had in mind. His son, Solomon, will do it. And secondly, God points out he hasn't asked for a temple to be built, and he has not dwelt in a house since he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He has been a God who has moved with his people. He's not confined to a building and a location as the gods of the nearby countries were. Jehovah was different. And the scholar Mary Evans suggests that at this time, perhaps Israel still needed to be reminded of this fact. In God's message to David in the second half of this chapter, sorry, in the first half, the issue of building the temple is just unceremoniously pushed aside. And in the second half, David doesn't even mention it. Why doesn't he even refer to it? Because he is completely blindsided by the magnitude of God's promise to him and the scale of what is promised. David is humbled by an awareness of God's sovereignty and the promise that God will not only care for but establish his future family in the context of their position as rulers of Israel. This is actually not about David. It's about God. And in the NIV version, verses 8 to 16, the Lord says, I, 14 times. And if you read it and you emphasize the eyes, it becomes really clear. I will do this. I will do this. It's God who is in charge. And it is he who has plucked David from the pasture and has been with him wherever he has gone. It is God who has fought the enemies. It is he who will establish David's descendants. Firstly, his son Solomon, who will build the temple. And then David's kingdom will be established forever. Given that the natural human Davidic line of kings ended with the Babylonian captivity. The forever in these last verses points thrillingly into the future where the Messiah will come from the line of David, which is what this whole series is about. It was this hope that sustained the people of Israel over hundreds of years and why chapter 7 is seen as the peak of the Old Testament and the foundation of so much theology. But why would God make such a promise to David? 
Well, the simple answer seems to be love. In Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, it says, The Lord chose you because he loved you. And in verse 14, God promises a father-son relationship with Solomon unlike anything else in the Near East at that time. And although he realistically points out he may have to chastise Solomon with the rod now and then, his love will never be taken from him. This love is completely undeserved. And I was reminded of 1 John 4 verse 10. It is not our love for God, but his love for us. And as Paul explains in Romans 8 verse 15, we too are able to call God Father. And in Jesus, the special relationship that David and his heirs had with God becomes available to us all. We too become heirs of this promise. But how does that affect us day to day in our lives? Well, when I or someone I know is having a hard time, I often come back to the promise in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that God knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. And whilst these words were spoken to the people of Israel, we see from this passage that our individual purposes are tied up with God's wider purposes. In Isaiah 46 verse 11, God says, from far off, I summon a man to fulfill my purposes. And yet, in Psalm 138, verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. So our purposes are tied up with the wider purposes. And it's our privilege and our joy as we journey to find that out. And I think it's good to remember in the context of the current political crisis that we are not the first of God's people to wonder what on earth is going on or if God has forgotten us, whether on an individual or a national scale. The Old Testament in particular is full of God's people calling out to him in desperation and confusion and finding strength in the knowledge of his love and his sovereignty. On a global scale, Psalm 75 reminds us, it is God who chooses the appointed time. It's he who exalts a man, he who holds the pillars of the earth firm when its earth and its peoples quake. And on a personal level, Psalm 31 reminds us, our times are in God's hands. And I do not say this lightly or glibly, because I, and many known to me and to you, have had 
and maybe are in at this very moment very difficult times when we wondered if God had abandoned us and if there was any point in any of it. In the story of the Fellowship of the Ring by Tolkien, the hobbit Frodo says to the wise old wizard Gandalf, he wished he had not been born in such difficult times. And Gandalf wisely responds, that's not for us to choose. All we get to decide is what we do with the time we've been given. So, let's have the ideas as David did. Submit them to God, wait on him, wait with other godly people, and acknowledge, as Solomon did in Psalm 127, that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And let's not be offended in God if he chooses another time or another person. But let's go and sit before him as David did, humbled and thankful that he loves us more than we can imagine and his plans are infinitely better than ours. Our times, both individually and corporately as a country are in the hands of God and let's follow the good advice of that writer of Hebrews not to throw away our confidence which will be richly rewarded the heroes who persist in faith are not generally sorry for doing so amen Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.